This episode is brought to you in part by Wholehearted Love, a new book by Caleb and Stephanie Rouse. Overcome the barriers that hold you back in your relationships with God and with others and delight in feeling safe, seen, and loved with Wholehearted Love. For more information, go to Tyndale.com. Welcome to episode 15 of the 21 Days of Gratitude here on Grace Enough Podcast. I am your host, Amber Cullum, and today we're going to discuss how practicing gratitude to God can be a powerful weapon against the enemy's schemes. I'm not sure if you've heard of or read the book Screwtape Letters by C.S. Lewis, but it is one of my favorite books. For those unfamiliar, let me set the stage. Screwtape Letters consists of a series of letters written by a senior demon named Screwtape to his nephew Wormwood, who is a junior tempter. The letters offer advice and guidance on how to lead a human away from their faith and towards sin. It provides a unique perspective on the spiritual battle and the tactics the enemy uses to undermine our faith and our character. You all, it's incredibly thought-provoking, just as it discusses the nature of temptation and the need for spiritual discernment. And it gives you this insight into the strategies used by demonic forces to influence our human behavior. And so that's a brief summary of the book. But today, we're going to focus in on letter 15. Screwtape is writing to Wormwood, and he is encouraging him to exploit his targets in gratitude. Screwtape knows that when we are ungrateful, it becomes easier for God to seem distant or uncaring. You see, God wants us to recognize his presence and blessings in our lives. And when we're ungrateful, we lose sight of that. And so as I read a little bit of this letter in chapter 15, I do want to point out that when you hear the word enemy, screw tape is actually talking about God because you have to remember These are letters from a senior demon to his nephew who is a tempter. Chapter 15. My dear Wormwood, I had noticed, of course, that humans were having a lull in their European war. As you can tell, this was published back in the late 1940s. What they naively call the war. And I'm not surprised that there is a corresponding lull in the patient's anxieties. Do we want to encourage this or to keep him worried? Tortured fear and stupid confidence are both desirable states of mind. Our choice between them raises important questions. The humans live in time, but our enemy, remember that's God, but our enemy destines them to eternity. He therefore, I believe, wants them to attend chiefly to two things to eternity itself, and to that point of time which they call the present. For the present is the point at which time touches eternity. 
of the present moment and of it only. Humans have an experience analogous to the experience which our enemy has of reality as a whole. In it alone, freedom and actuality are offered them. He would therefore have them continually concerned either with eternity, which means being concerned with him, or with the present, either meditating on their eternal union with or separation from himself, or else obeying the present voice of conscience, bearing the present cross, receiving the present grace, giving thanks for the present pleasure. Our business is to get them away from the eternal and from the present. With this in view, we sometimes tempt a human, say a widow or a scholar, to live in the past. But this is of limited value, for they have some real knowledge of the past, and it has a determinate nature, and to that extent resembles eternity. It is far better to make them live in the future. Biological necessity makes all their passions point in that direction already. So that thought about the future inflames hope and fear. Also, it is unknown to them, so that in making them think about it, we make them think of unrealities. In a word, the future is, of all things, the thing least like eternity. It is the most completely temporal part of time, for the past is frozen and no longer flows, and the present is all lit up with eternal rays. Hence, the encouragement we have given to all those schemes of thought such as creative evolution, scientific humanism, or communism, which fix men's affections on the future, on the very core of temporality. Hence, nearly all vices are rooted in the future. Gratitude looks to the past and love to the present. Fear, lust, and ambition look ahead. Do not think lust is an exception. When the present pleasure arrives, the sin, which alone interests us, is already over. The pleasure is just the part of the process which we regret and would exclude if we could do so without losing the sin. It is the part contributed by the enemy and therefore experienced in the present. The sin, which is our contribution, looked forward. To be sure, the enemy wants men to think of the future too just so much as is necessary for now, planning the acts of justice or charity, which will probably be their duty tomorrow. The duty of planning the morrow's work is today's duty, though its material is borrowed from the future. The duty, like all duties, is in the present. This is now straw splitting. He does not want men to give the future their hearts, to place their treasure in it. We do. His ideal is a man who, having worked all day for the good of posterity, washes his mind of the whole subject, 
commits the issues to heaven and returns at once to the patience or gratitude demanded by the moment that is passing over him. If you want to read the rest of that chapter, you'll have to pick up your own copy of Screwtape Letters. But I want to touch on a few things that Lewis wrote in this chapter. He suggests that God desires us to be present, to engage with the present moment, and to be thankful for the blessings of the present. This approach helps us to maintain a healthy balance between our eternal hope and the practicalities of everyday life. Life is hard. Life is exhausting. Things happen that threaten to steal our joy, to steal our confidence in the Lord, to steal our peace. And that's where gratitude comes in and allows us to acknowledge and to cherish the blessings that God provides in the here and now. Screwtape also reveals that God does not want his people to be hag-ridden or tormented by the future, nor does he want his people to be haunted by visions of the imminent heaven or hell upon earth. No, God wants us to entrust our future to him and to focus on the present. And this is the exact opposite of the devil's schemes. He schemes to distract us from the present moment and to make us anxious about the future. And one tool that we have that can help us stay anchored in the present is the practice of gratitude. We recognize the goodness and the blessings that surround us regardless of the uncertainty of the future. It's a way of acknowledging that God is in control of our past, present, and future. Remember that gratitude is not just a mere expression of thanksgiving. It's a powerful tool that helps us combat the enemy's attempts to distract us, to destabilize our faith, and to take our eyes and our thoughts off of the living God. And so today's gratitude practice is going to focus on a few of the ways that you tend to exercise fear, doubt, uncertainty, where the enemy comes in and threatens to steal, kill, and destroy you. You know, the word says that the enemy roams around like a roaring lion seeking who he can devour. What area of your life is the enemy seeking to devour you? Maybe you're consumed with worry about job stability or income or the significant rise in the cost of living has caused overwhelming anxiety. Maybe 
Maybe you have a chronic illness and the fear of feeling the way you do right now for the rest of your life has paralyzed you. Maybe you're in a marriage where you are more lonely than you ever dreamed you'd be. Maybe you're daily fighting mental health issues, including anxiety and depression. Maybe the political climate of our country keeps you up at night and leads to conflict among your family and friends. Maybe you have a wayward child and your heart is just bleeding for them. Maybe you're weary and fatigued from caring for a sick child or a sick parent or a sick spouse and you wonder if you can even make it another day. The list goes on and on and those are serious concerns. It's also serious that the enemy wants to use those experiences in your life to devour you, to destroy you, to kill your joy, to raise doubts in your mind that you really can, in the midst of all of the struggles, find communion with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And so I ask you to identify where is the enemy seeking to devour you. And then think of three to five things related to that fear, that anxiety, that doubt that you can thank God for today. And as my guest James Early said, thank him for the work that he is doing that you can't currently see. Allow your thanksgiving to overflow to the point where you move into a time of praise in saying, God, you are with me. The enemy does not win. And I am gonna practice gratitude daily in order to keep myself in the present because I don't want him to get another second of my future. And please hear me, I am not saying that what you are experiencing or your feelings are not real and true. I am joining in agreement with C.S. Lewis when he writes, God does not want men to give the future their hearts, to place their treasure in it. We do. God's ideal is a man who, having worked all day for the good of posterity, if that is his vocation, washes his mind of the whole subject, commits the issue to heaven, and returns at once to the patience or gratitude demanded by the moment that is passing over him. 
But we want a man hag-ridden by the future, haunted by visions of an imminent heaven or hell upon earth, ready to break God's commands in the present. If by so doing, we make him think he can attain the one or avert the other, dependent for his faith on the success or failure of schemes whose end he will not live to see. We want a whole race perpetually in pursuit of the rainbow's end, never honest, nor kind, nor happy now, but always using a mere fuel wherewith to heap the altar of the future every real gift which is offered them in the present. I encourage you today to take your mind off of what's next, off of what's tomorrow, and focus and give thanks for today. This episode was brought to you in part by The Truce Podcast. The new season examines the connection between some evangelicals and the Republican Party with the help of world-class historians. Subscribe to Truce in your podcast app or listen at trucepodcast.com.